I'm going to open in prayer before I go into sharing on this. We're going to be talking about the, the greatest missionary in all of human history. And the reality, the fact that that missionary lives inside of each and every one of us. Father, we give you praise and we give you thanks for your heart for the nations. We thank you for your heart for New England. We thank you for your heart for all of this United States of America and for every people, every ethnic group in all of the world. You are the one who said it was your heart for all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And you have set us apart as your ambassadors, as those who would take your kingdom to the nations of the earth. And you have positioned us, you have uniquely fitted us for just the place, as our brother Dave last night spoke, that you've determined the time and the place for us to live. And so we thank you that every relationship we have is a, is a stewardship. Yes. It's, a, it's a, something that you desire for us to steward, uh, whether it be a neighbor, whether it be a co-worker, whether it be uh, somebody that we're even just passing by on the streets. You're the one who put us in that particular place at that time for your purposes. We want to be available to you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this time. I ask that you would speak through me. I don't even want to speak one word just of my own mind. Uh, you're the only one who can love well through us. And as our brother Gaylord spoke to us yesterday, that that is what the world, that's what the nations are looking for, is a true, authentic love of Christ flowing in and through your children, but that it has to begin with us first receiving your love. Now, how can we give? We are not believing even for ourselves. And I also ask, Lord, that you break down every barrier in our hearts. Uh, as I was praying before coming up here, I was feeling like the Lord was wanting me to ask you just a few questions. One of which, are you as passionate for Jesus today as you have ever been in your life? Or is there a time in your life you remember, I remember that time. When he was everything, when I was on mission with him, when I longed for what he longed for, but I've gotten distracted. I've allowed other competing lovers to come into my heart and to pull my attention onto other things. And that, friends, even in full-time ministry can be an issue. Even ministry itself can become uh, like an idol in our hearts. And it begins to steal or rob us of that first love with the Father. Well, I have to be at this meeting, or I have to do this or that. And it pulls us from that place where He is truly our all in all. And then a second question, are you as passionate for lost souls in this moment, in this room, as you've ever been in your life? Or has some coldness come in, some callousness come in? As our sister prayed, uh, have you had some times where you were ejected as you shared about the goodness of Jesus with others and it's sought to shut you down? I believe that our Father would use, even our time here in this room today, we don't have to wait for the 10 days to begin, for God to begin to renew our hearts again, to say, Father, 
Um, and I'm just I'm going to pray this with you because I'm even during the time here I'm sensing he's wanting to renew and revive a refreshed passion in my own heart for the lost. And so if that's in your heart, we'll just pray out together. Father, I ask that you would renew our hearts today for the lost. Lord, give us your heart for them. May your heart so pierce our hearts that we would long for them to come to know you. Remove the unbelief that we have allowed to come into our hearts regarding what you are capable of. There is nothing that is impossible for you. We know how amazing you are because of what you have done in our own lives. We know who we were before you came in and transformed us. And so we know that you can transform those around us, Lord. Renew our faith once again. May we believe again. May that be a rallying cry across New England that we would, as a corporate body of Christ, believe again for the salvation of this region and the transformation of this region and for the glory of your son, Jesus. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go into talking practicals, I just want, I feel like God wanted us to just be rekindled in his heart for those who don't know him. It's so easy after we have been walking with him for some time to lose sight of how his radical grace towards us. You know, have you ever found yourself getting frustrated at people doing things that you used to do? I'm just being real. You know, have you ever thought, like, how could they possibly do that? But if you were to stop for a moment and think back on your own life, you go, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Even I myself gave in to some of that as well. It might not have looked exactly that the way that it does in their life, but I too struggled with darkness. I too walked in ways that almost anybody could have said, you know, what are you thinking? And yet, how is it 5, 10, 20 years into this journey with Jesus we can lose sight of that? Start judging people instead of loving people. So let's look at the heart of our Father. We're going to be in Luke 15. We're also going to look at how this marriage between prayer and missions is throughout the biblical narrative and also throughout church history. There is a marriage of what our brother Pastor Laban was talking about where the intercessors become the reformers, the intercessors become the deliverers. We're the ones seeking to tap in the heart of the Father. And then he begins to say, hey, guess what? You're the answer to your own prayers. You're wanting to see revival in America? Guess what? The impetus is not on God's end of the line. Are are we waiting on him or is he waiting on us? Luke 15, the lost sheep. Start in verse 3. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Just picture, picture that shepherd who is rejoicing with that lost one. Notice he's not sitting there pointing the finger at it going, where were you? Don't you know I had better things to do than to chase you down? (laughs) And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors. Now this becomes a community party, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. 
I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Again, we see this same heart with the lost coin. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice! There it is again. This joy in the heart of the Father to see the lost, to see those in need of repentance come to Him. Do you know that includes the transgender community? It includes the homosexual community. The heart of our Father is longing to bring His embrace to them and to bring them into His kingdom. He longs for them. He doesn't look at them the way that... um, we can get duped into looking at them. She says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. And in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then the prodigal. And we're going to look at this. A man had two sons. The younger of them, and as we think of this son, you you could either think of the church, but you can also think of your city, your community, your region, being this lost son. And we want to look at the heart of the father. What's the heart of the father towards the son? How is he interacting with that son? Because as his representatives, we're to be representatives of the father on the earth. We're to be his expressed image and drawing people to Christ in the way that he would. And how does he interact with that lost son? A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate which falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. I wonder if the Father, our Heavenly Father, allows difficult circumstances in the lives of those who are hurting out there as a means of beginning to draw them to himself. Sometimes we can lose sight of just how hurt and broken the the lost world is around us. But they are aching. There is an ache, there is a cry in the heart of every man, woman, and child that can only be answered by one person. And when they don't know him, whether they verbalize it or not, in our hearing, they might be, everything might look hard, And like they've got no receptivity to anything of this Jesus. But the reality is that cry is there. And as you and I go out as Christ's representatives, we can go with the faith of knowing that cry is in this person. When I'm speaking with them, when I'm offering to pray for them, that cry is there. They might not have shown any any of it on the exterior, but that cry is in their heart. And as we go with that faith and as we begin to move with whatever the Father asks of us in that moment, That's really all the 40 days of love is about, is being the hands and feet of Jesus and taking a time to do it together corporately as the body of Christ in the region. What could the Father accomplish through that? So here this famine comes in, a difficulty comes in that this this prodigal son is beginning to have to face. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to him. 
You know, I've had waitresses or waiters break down crying at the table over a simple statement. Is there anything? We're going to be praying for our food. Is there any way we could pray for you? And this person aching, that cry being there, but yet nobody, nobody offers that to them. I've had people on uh, when you're calling AT&T or whatever for your service. And at the end of the call, they always ask, is there any other way I could help you? You'd say, well, I just, I know this is a little bit off topic, but is there any way, anything that you're walking through right now that I could pray for you about? I've had multiple people say, and they've been doing this for years, I have never once had anybody ask me that. People are, there's a need in their soul. Verse 17, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So there is a repentance that begins to come into his heart. This Lord just impacted my heart through this verse 20 this morning. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off. My mind immediately began to go to the Muslims in our community, to the, those who are coming from Hindu, Buddhist, atheist thinking and, and ways of living right now. While they are still a long ways off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. Are we as the church operating as the father? And while those around us are a long ways off, are we looking for them? Are we running towards them? Are we embracing them? Are we showing them the love of Christ? And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. The ten days of prayer is a significant thing. That is, I personally believe it will be continue to go around the world. And that God is going to use it to produce a, a humility and a repentance in the hearts of the people of God. I also simultaneously believe that out of that prayer and repentance, it's unto something. It's unto something that's in the heart of the Father. It's unto this mission that he has as this this wonderful, loving Father who's longing for all men to come to the knowledge of his Son, Jesus. Just a few, and I won't for the sake of time go to the passages, but we know throughout the book of Acts, there's this regular pattern. Acts chapter 1 the disciples are with Jesus and they're talking to him. You know, it's now the time that the kingdom's coming. He says, it's not for you to know the times and seasons, but wait for the Holy, wait for me to pour out, give you the gift, the filling of the Holy Spirit, so that you will what? Receive power and be my witnesses. You'll receive power and then you'll go and be my witnesses. And again, we see at the end of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in chapter 2, thousands come to Christ. And then what? Day by day, their souls are being added to their number. Out of the place of prayer, 
missions are birthed. Out of the place of prayer, missions are birthed. In chapter 4, we see Peter and John. They're arrested. They're taken into custody. And as they're released, they come and the believers begin to pray. And the place where they're meeting is shaken. And as it's shaking, what happens next? They go out and boldly proclaim the gospel message. So there's, this is this marriage of, of the prayer and the missions. Uh, we were just at a conference in Herrenhut, Germany uh, this summer, where the whole theme of that conference of all these international prayer leaders was the streams of missions and prayer coming together. We know the Moravian story of how out of that place of prayer they sent the missionaries to the nations. So what about us today in our day? Is there anything that God would have us do practically? I'm going to just share a few testimonies of what God did in our area as we implemented this 40 days of love. And my backstory is for over 15 years, I have served in a role of trying to unite pastors and ministry leaders in the greater Orlando area. I served as a pastor in a local church. I also served six years with a Ugandan-based prayer ministry. But even during that time frame, our goal was to seek to bring the church together, to work together, to impact our community, to impact our city with the gospel. And as we did that, I, all I can say is there were many times that I grew discouraged. <laughs> there were many times that that scripture, we referred to it a couple of days ago, Proverbs 13:12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. That heart sickness. And I'm just being uh, open and real with you. There was a point I personally gave up on reaching America. Um, our ministry, we, we, one of the things we do, we have a Christ-like lifestyle training. Uh, we have all kinds of materials that train people in the first love intimacy with God in their personal lives, in their marriage, in their family. And it was going all over the world and people were being receptive to it out there. But in America, there was this coldness. There was this lack of receptivity. And I, I didn't realize it. I had, it hadn't, hadn't been an intellect, uh, thought in my mind that, oh, I've given up on America. But if I look at the allocation of my time, I'm traveling overseas all the time, and I'm doing almost nothing in the U.S., and I'm literally doing nothing in Orlando. I completely stopped trying to do the unity meetings and any of that. Just like, you know what? In fact, people were coming to me going, I have this desire to do something in the city. And I would basically be like, have fun storming the castle. Tell me in, in two years how that goes for you. Um, like just tired, worn out, burn out. And I was in the process of kind of journaling and writing a book on all these different things God had been teaching me over the years. And while I was doing that, Lord began to uh, question me. He said, I haven't given up on America, have you? Okay. And that question just hung there. Actually, it still does in some ways. And it was like, okay, I have. And then it was like, well, what does that mean? So at first I was just praying. You know, I didn't want to just go run out and do something. I think we've probably all done that, and that doesn't work very well either. So I didn't want to just try to drum up something that would try and look like we're doing something. But in prayer, um, and I don't have time for the whole story. Long story short, governor of Florida officially sanctioned and endorsed a, a day of fasting, repentance, and prayer for the state. 
And a friend of mine, a good buddy of mine who pastors in another area of the state, sent me a text. I knew nothing of the event. He sent me a text. He said, the governor's got an event coming up and wants to know if uh, this guy in his church coordinates large events, like some of the biggest call events and whatnot on the D.C. Mall. And he was going to be coordinating this event. And he said he wants to know if you'd help out. And I had just been driving by the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando on my way to a pastor's meeting. As I was at a stoplight, the Lord had spoken in my heart as I was looking at the convention center, you're going to be a part of something in there. Out of the blue. I mean, I'd never heard him say that before or since. I was just at a stop sign, a stoplight, and he speaks, you're going to be a part of something in there. I go into the meeting, I get out of the meeting, and here's this text about this uh, meeting related to the governor. I go, I get home, I go on the web, I go, what is this thing? First thing that pops up is a big picture of the Orange County Convention Center, and that's where it's happening. So I knew, get behind this. And so I did everything I could. I was contacting guys around the state I hadn't talked to in years and just said, hey, look, we've been praying for our state. Long story short, it happened. It was We had like three weeks to try to mobilize the whole state. Um, those of you who've done mobilization stuff know what that's like. That's not easy. Uh, but we had about five to 7,000 people that came out in that short amount of time for this. And coming out of it, uh, the question I was asking was, is this it? Hmm. Like, is this it? Or do we really think that out of this one day that we're going to see the transformation of our city and our state? Or is, do we, do, are we going to have to keep working together to see that fullness? And I just started planting that seed with some of the leaders that I knew, and there was good feedback. So in two weeks later, we remobilized. We had about 120 pastors and ministry leaders. It was one of the... One of the longtime pastors in Orlando said he'd never seen that many pastors together in a room. And coming out of that, we just said, we, we put a simple word to it, collaborate. And we asked a simple question, what would God have us do together that we couldn't do apart? And as we began to meet regularly and pray together, the, the Lord began to just put a simple word for at least for our city. It was the word love. Thank you, Brother Gaylord, for your message love to ask you permission to be able to use that message. Um, that's all the Lord was really speaking, love, love. If we could love our region well, what he would then do as we were obedient to that. And as we kept praying into that, um, you know, you can just come out and say, well, we're just going to love our region well. But what if we took a very concerted season of time to do it together corporately? And so I'm just going to share a few quick testimonies of some of what we saw God do as we sought to put this into practice. Um, and it, we had a number of months of time before we launched it, so we were putting different things into place. And I think you, I can, just because of the years that we've done this, I know that God's going to do something to cause the region to be receptive to you when you go out in obedience to this. And I'll use Orlando as an example. Um, he used a tragedy to get our region ready for this. He had, the Lord had been speaking love. Then we began to move forward on this 40 days of love. All those different pieces to, you know, getting lots of churches engaged with something. You know, that's, you got to have the website and you got to have the, all the different things. Thank you, Brother Laban. Uh, all the different things that we, at least in the U.S., think we need to have before we do something. Um, so we had all those different things in place. And then all of a sudden, the Pulse nightclub shooting. 
you may not remember this, it's been a couple years, um, but uh, you know, one of the worst mass murder shootings in U.S. history uh, takes place right in the downtown Orlando area, a place that I've personally driven by you know, many times. Didn't exactly know what it was, but it was, it's right there on one of the main roads. And suddenly, um, you know, what was before, like trying to get pastors to do something you weren't really sure they were interested in, suddenly we were getting calls from pastors saying, we need to do this. And in fact, we're not going to wait until, they were asking permission, can we start the 40 days of love now, um, a, a month out, two months beforehand, saying, can we just start it now and then continue it through the 40 days? And obviously, we were saying, yes, please, just go. And, and, and so out of that, it was like God used that tragedy to launch our region into loving the people in our community. And as we began to do that, one of the neat things that took place was that we didn't have to organize hardly anything. Those of you who are not fond of organizing, I do think this will be something that God just sort of, he'll, he'll bring people in that have a heart for prison ministry, bring people in that have a heart for working on the streets or what, all those different needs that the father knows, he's going to be the one that directs people to engage with them. So here are just a few of the things that began to take place. So this is one, the Orlando International Airport. So it's a pretty big airport. Uh, They estimated we would have three million people coming through it during the 40 days of love. The Lord burdens, just from the father's perspective, he burdens a woman to say, we've got to reach the internationals coming through the airport. There's a perfect opportunity with this huge tourist destination. What if God would open the door for us to give evangelistic tracts and Jesus film DVDs to everyone that comes through the airport? Then a businessman goes, you know, I'll help fund some of these DVDs, these Jesus films. And they actually go through fasting and prayer, out of the place of prayer. Mm -hmm. They go to the airport authority, present this whole thing. The airport authority actually has to watch the Jesus film before they can give approval to it. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses were already there. And, And so... There was all kinds of things that, that were trying to come against it, but as they prayed, as they were obedient to the Father, he gave them official approval to do it. We were in the airport all 40 days. We had teams rotating in and out. A pastor took, he was right in a transitional phase in his ministry where he was leaving the job he had had. He was bivocational. He was going to be entering into full-time ministry. He was thinking, what better thing to put my time to now that I have the time to this? <clears throat> he was a great organizer, in the, was in the military previously, and he had this thing down where teams were going in and out and all the protocol, he was training them. And so three million people, I mean, we don't know how many responded to Christ, but wonderful testimonies that came out of that airport outreach. Then the Orlando police chaplain, the senior police chaplain in the Orlando Police Department said, uh, we're going to engage with this. We're going to get all the chaplains in the whole police department engaged with the 40 days of love. And we had these very simple, I don't, unfortunately I don't have enough of these for everybody, but if you're a pastor or ministry leader, this is just a sample copy from our Florida one. We, we've actually designed one for New England, uh, but I, I don't think we have them printed up yet. But it, it was a simple prayer guide, and within that prayer guide, on the right-hand side, Everyone was encouraged to pray and ask the Father, show me 
at least one to ten people or more uh, that you would have me praying for by name through the 40 days. And as they receive from the Father the name they were name or names they're praying for, then they're asking him, Lord, you know them better than I do. <laughs> what are the needs they have? What are the deep needs they have that you know maybe nobody knows about? Would you show me how to care for them in a way that's going to impact their life and, and really bring a transformation? And so there's a spot there to actually write in what God shows you. It's just, it's really like a Holy Spirit blueprint on how to reach the people in our sphere of influence. And then lastly, Lord, show me how to share. How do you want me to share your love with them? You know, we have a pastor in our city who his entire family came to Christ through a a next door neighbor who delivered them a pie when they moved in to this trailer park where they were living. Uh, just delivered a pie. That was it. And through that and through the relationship that developed, the entire family came to Christ. One of the members is this senior pastor in our city. Another is a missionary to Kazakhstan, one of his brothers. The woman had no idea what her pie accomplished. So that's that's what these are. And, and we printed 40,000 of these. We estimate uh, 40 to 60,000 people engaged with this all around the state of Florida. It spread from Orlando to DeLand to Daytona Beach to Miami. It, uh, the word of it, just as it started going out, more and more places around the state got involved with it. Just a few more testimonies. Uh, we have a college on in, uh, in Orlando. It's known as a kind of like a premier film media school. It's called Full Sail University. The students there, it's incredibly expensive to attend there, as I know you would know in this region, the cost of school, um, and not a lot of receptivity, typically speaking. You think of that as kind of like a cold place, a hard place to try and break ground. Well, during the 40 Days of Love, partnership between the on-campus ministry and some of the local pastors during the 40 Days of Love, this is a testimony of one of those pastors says, we witnessed 50 salvations take place outside of our regular church services during outreaches we conducted during the 40 days of love. Specifically, in just five weeks, in partnering on Full Sail University's campus, we have seen 22 college students give their lives to Christ. Again, this was not something we organized. It was not something we, on a, you know, in a meeting like this, we say, well, we need to reach all the college campuses, and who's going to target which one? It just started to happen. Uh, we started to see people burdened for the international community. We have, there's a lot of mosques and Muslims in our area. And uh, we had teams of people starting to go into the mosque, develop relationships with the imam, and uh, develop relationships with the people there to the degree that they started getting invited into their homes, started having opportunities to share the gospel. And then one member of this team who's on staff with crew was uh, they were doing a citywide Muslim festival right in the heart of Orlando at our main band's shell. If you've ever been to Lake Eola in Orlando, it's the main hub of the city. It'd be like Boston Commons or something, right there. And they asked her to stand up and gave her a block of time to give the Christian perspective. And she clearly shared the gospel with this whole festival. At the end of it, the the imam that got up after her said, this is a tough act to follow. (laughs) (laughs) There was also an outreach to the Jewish community. As this same group was praying for the 
the Muslim community, the Lord first spoke to them, to the Jew first, then to the Greek. So they were not expecting that. They were planning Muslim outreach, and the Lord said, reach to the Jewish community. So what he led them to do again through fasting and prayer. It was just the synergy between that place of prayer and the place of missions and action to get the body of Christ in our region to adopt every single Jewish household in prayer. All 15,800 Jewish households were adopted by name in prayer. Uh, Sheets of their names were distributed. You'd sign up for a sheet, which was about 46 names. They were prayed for, and people were encouraged to pray for at least minimum of 30 days for those people. And at the end of that time, that they would write a personal letter with their testimony and point them to two Jewish-related websites, Isaiah 53 and I Found Shalom. So reaching the whole Jewish community during this time frame, again, what was not organized. We had doctors taking these into their offices. Christian doctor came, and he, he took 100 of these prayer guides. He said, we're going to do the 40 days of love in my doctor's office. It's like, wow, okay. So he took them, and within a relatively short period of time, not only was his staff engaging in praying, caring, and cheering, he had been started to hand them out to patients that were coming into the office. And about a week or two later, he sent me a text. I see that he said, I need 100 more. I've, I've used them all up. We had an architect... A uh, retired architect got so on fire for this, he personally went to 130 congregations on the west coast of Florida, door to door, to talk to the pastors about it and to get them engaged. And he helped distribute over 3,600 prayer guides. Um, yeah, there's so many different testimonies. I'll conclude. Uh, yeah. You got more time, man. Okay. Yeah, you keep going. Lunch is at 1230. Okay. Yeah, go for it. I'll share a personal one um, in our own home. This is where I like to have my, I sometimes use a projector so you can see my family. Um, but in our home, we have, my wife and I, we have five children. And so here I am going around the state talking about the need to pray, care, share, and 40 days of love. Um, but I realized I hadn't gotten our own children engaged with it. And one of the things that we train on is that our homes as Christians are to, are to be a spiritual greenhouse. Uh, like a house of prayer, that every Christian home becomes a place of prayer. But we hadn't done it yet. And so four of our ch- our youngest is two, but we have 13, 12, 11, 6, and 2. And so the four oldest ones were able to engage with this. And I didn't want to push it on them. I just said, you know, you know what we're doing around the state. Would you guys, um, I'm not just going to hand these to you. We're going to have a commissioning service right there in our living room. Um, I, I said, you know, let's take time before the Lord in prayer and you ask him if he's asking you to engage with this. And I'm sharing this testimony to say this is applicable to anybody in our congregations, in our ministries. Um, anybody can do it. It's very simple. And at the end of the time, all four of them had come up that they wanted to do it. So I, I commissioned them, handed each of them one of these, prayed for them. And then I said, now we're going to actually do this right now. We're going to go some corner of the room and let's ask the Father to show us show you at least one person, at least one, that you can begin to be praying for. And so we stood out, took a little while, and sure enough, he had downloaded a number of, of people for each of them to be praying for. Now, one of them had received 15 names, and that was my four-year-old daughter, Ruth. <laughs> Ruth began praying for these names. Now, she didn't even know, she she's not wasn't at the place of being able to write, 
the name. So she would be praying, and then she'd say, Daddy, um, God's telling me this person. And then I'd write their name down. By the time, we were off the charts. We, there wasn't even enough room to write down all the names. And so then as a family, this is again just a tool, but as a family, if you have family prayer time, you can say, why don't we all get out our prayer guides and we can be praying together as a family for the names that God's put on our hearts. So we did that for a little while. And then one day came and she didn't have her guide. I said, oh, honey, we're going to have to go find your guide. She said, I don't need it. I said, what do you mean you don't need it? She said, I know who I'm praying for. And I was like, there's no way that she knows 15 names. And I ended up finding her guide. But I said, okay, so you tell me who you're praying for. All 15. So it's just, it's an opportunity to build this lifestyle prayer and and caring and sharing into our our homes. We then saw it start to go... um, similar to the way our brother Brian shared with us, where God just started to supernaturally take it to other countries uh, and to other places beyond just... I just wanted to do it well where we were. Uh, That was what I was focused on the first year. I wasn't even trying to take it out. But I I did start thinking, you know, maybe this could go elsewhere. And uh, there's a pastor friend of mine who works in the Dominican Republic, and I said to him, you know, maybe next year we could see it go, go there. And he sent me a text with pictures and he said I've already been there I told them about it and they're doing it with us right now and there were pictures of these groups of people that were like yeah. <laughs> here's one of them uh, uh, went to Albania yeah, Albania did a nationwide 40 days of love uh, a few months after we did ours it started traveling to uh, many different places even into Saudi Arabia they did a 40 days of love in Saudi Arabia um, then Mission America Coalition, so you might know uh, Paul Cedar. Uh, he heard about it and some others, and, and they said, what if we helped you take this nationally? And so last year I spent some time traveling and sharing about it in some different cities around the U.S. So um, again, at least for me, the heart is not just 40 days, it's to, for it to become a lifestyle. And so this is a taste and see opportunity for um, anybody in our region to just taste and see this lifestyle and then watch as it becomes something that's an ongoing thing. I don't know if I've verbalized this to Jonathan, but in my heart it's married to the 10 days that we will keep that um, partnership indefinitely so that we will uh, always be doing this at the same time year after year. Um, We saw youth and young adults get engaged with this whole youth groups beginning the students got so excited. And I don't know if any of you are working with students, but the students took this and just began to run with it. God began to just put on their hearts the vision for whole schools coming to Christ. And supernatural things began happening in the schools where you know teachers are going, I haven't seen anything like this in all my years of being a teacher. Uh, students just offering to pray for other students, care for them, love on them. Um, it, it was just very exciting to see what God was doing. Uh, before I conclude, there is a paper in your packet. If you have that paper, I don't if know. If you don't have them, I have more here. I'll just briefly run through these. This, this is getting a little bit practical. I, I don't want to get too much down into that. You guys will be determining what you want to do with it. Take um, us into the weeds, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Into the weeds we go. 
So five phases of the 40 days of love. Obviously, you've been hearing about the 10 days, and some of you have, uh, some or most or all of you have engaged with that. Um, and again, this is not to supersede that. This is in, um, I see us as a servant to what God's called you to, um, and so we're just serving and partnering alongside you. Out of that place of the 10 days of prayer, that first phase is the 10 days of prayer. And as we've been talking these days, you have a, a knowledge or understanding of what that's looking like. It's a season of mourning. It's a season of seeking the face of God as a, as a community, a city, a region, even our nation. You know, what if this could be nationwide? 10 days of prayer. And then coming out of that, then we have it. And now at the local level within either your local ministry or your city or community, this the way I put it is there is no um, box. We're from from our end. We're not trying to box this in at all. You can have it look however God leads you to do with your local expression of it. This is just kind of a general potential way that you might choose to implement it if the Lord leads you to do so. So the second phase is pray everywhere, raising prayer everywhere. Some of this comes out of my time with the Ugandan ministry, where they raised. Uh, what they have called altars of prayer, places of prayer. Basically, every believer begins to pray where they are. Every family begins to pray, not just for the concerns of your family, but for the concerns of your city, your state, the nation. You know, imagine if every Christian home in America began to pray on behalf of not just you know what we're facing financially in our home right now, but what if we began to pursue the purposes of God in our home. I know in Uganda, one of the things that the Lord spoke to them was, stop focusing on all the problems and focus on praying into my purposes. As you pray into my purposes, I will take care of your problems. And so that this second phase is just raising prayer, and these prayer guides are just one help to putting that into practice. Now, into the third phase, it doesn't mean you stop praying. I mean, we, we encourage people through the whole 40 days to continue praying for people, to continue meeting for prayer. But during that third phase, there is a specific emphasis on caring, on serving. I'll just read the overview section of that and those two scriptures. The greatest among you will be your servant. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As we have gotten our own hearts right with God, as we are beginning to raise prayer everywhere, we want to continue praying and add to it by proactively going out to serve those around us. We want to look for opportunities to meet the needs of those we've been praying for, and we also want to look for areas of our society as a whole that are in desperate need of the tangible presence of Jesus. So this is an opportunity for individuals to begin to implement caring for the people they've been praying for, but then also if you're a part of a local ministry, a local church, or even a community group of churches, you could organize during that time some tangible acts of love and kindness to the community that is around you so that there's a tangible expression to the community of the love of Christ. And then into the fourth phase, which is the very the proactive share everywhere. And that's where these kinds of stories that I just shared with you could take place during that time frame. Just whatever God begins lay on people's hearts that they are freed and loose to begin to step into that. And I also don't want to miss that fifth phase, which sometimes we can, uh, which is the discipleship, follow up with everyone. 
that as we are praying, as we are caring, and as we're sharing the gospel, that we should expect the Father to respond. We should expect a response. If we're taking these 10 days to fast, to pray, to mourn before the Lord, we should expect a heavenly response to that. We should expect a supernatural response that's going to begin to break through the barriers that have been there. If we go again back to the book of Acts chapter 2, what were the cultural difficulties they were facing? I really do think sometimes we can lower, I'll use myself as an example, I'll lower the bar of what God's capable of based on my experiences of what I have seen him do. But that should not be the bar. That should not be the marker. Yeah, even those of us who have seen mighty moves of God, that we wouldn't put a box on what he's capable of doing. I have it down here. Well, well my, the culture, I'll just, so the culture in New England is very difficult. People, you know, to till that soil, it's, it's very hard. Well, look, what was the culture back then? You had the religious leadership wanting to kill the people presenting this message. You had a, a state that was in a you know, military-occupied state where if you did anything against that government, you're likely to be killed. And you had the hearts of people that had been conditioned to think totally opposite of anything related to Jesus. It was certainly a much more difficult culture than any city or state in America. There's no way we can say that where we're living right now culturally is more difficult than what they were facing. And yet somehow, how did they break through? How did they break through that? It was these lives of radical abandoned vessels, sometimes just two or three, would go in and shake up a whole area through their simple obedience to the Holy Spirit. But, you know, we, let's not use the justification of our culture around us as some kind of thing that allows us to lower the bar of what God's wanting to do. He wants to do way more than what we've experienced. And as we agree with him, he is more than capable of doing it. Amen. Amen, brother. It's a blessing to be with you all. Um, so I guess I'll put these out at the table just as a sample. I especially would say if you're a pastor or ministry leader that are interested in using this, this will just be a sample. These are not even this year's current dates. It's just something to take a look at. We'll have one, we have one for America and one uh, for New England. And then there's a devotional book if you're interested. It's a devotion for every day of the 40 days. Thank you, brother.